Hi, Emily. Thanks so much for coming on to chat. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Can you tell me about where you grew up and what you ate? Sure. Um, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. Um, we grew up eating, I it was probably like, we ate a lot of like takeout and fast food for sure. Um, we also, I've been thinking a lot about this like service that no one I've talked to has ever used, but um, kind of like saved my family since both my parents worked full time. It was called like market day, but like basically kind of like a Costco Sam's club thing where you like order in bulk, but then pick it up and buy it at the school. And so like once a month, we go and just like pick up a bunch of boxes of like frozen entrees and stuff that then would help with like quick meals during the week. Um, I think neither of my parents are like super into cooking and we're just, you know, stressed with having two kids and full time <laughs> jobs. Um, but my mom is also super into gardening. Um, and so like in the summer, you know, she would grow like green beans and tomatoes and stuff. So we would have that for like a couple months a year. There was a really great farmer's market in the town where I grew up, but because it's like the Midwest and the climate doesn't really allow for like an abundant farmer's market, you know, for more than maybe like three or four months a year. Um, that was kind of like just limited to the summer. Right, right. And so how did you get into food? Because I know you went to culinary school, you you worked in restaurants. Um, what was your path into I didn't go to culinary school? You didn't go to culinary um, school. I didn't go to culinary <laughs> school. No, I am... I, um, it started as just like an interest I think from just like watching a lot of Food Network in like junior okay. high and high school I got like into cooking as a hobby um but you know I don't know just like as a high school kid didn't occur to me that I could be like cooking our dinners every night and also was you know like busy with schoolwork and extracurriculars and then um uh, when I went away to college um kind of the the way that it worked at the school I was was you like lived in a dorm for the first year and then most people like moved to apartments um mm -hmm. and so I just kind of was forced to learn how to cook when I was 19 um there weren't like any good restaurants in town and you know I was like on a budget anyway so that's when it kind of um I think I got really into it and like learned to cookbooks and just like doing a lot of research and um I had also oh no um the first year I was cooking I wasn't a vegetarian but I kind of didn't do a great job like staying healthy as I learned to cook and felt kind of terrible after that first year so decided to become a vegetarian um and so that also required a lot of like education and research and just um trying to stay inspired and like what to eat um that would be exciting and kind of healthy uh and I kind of had like journalism dreams they, they were very like vague and not formed when I graduated but um was hoping to like get a magazine or newspaper job or something and and kind of keep food more as just like a, a hobby mm -hmm. um but I graduated in 2008 and you know it was just not a good time to, to <laughs> pursue that work I remember having like this like you know a few um steps removed connection he was like an editor for a newswire or something I talked to him a few months after I graduated and I was like yeah I'm like I would love to work for like a newspaper or a magazine um you know like do you have any advice and he was like just find another industry like do not attempt to <laughs> get a job doing this and I 
I don't know. I think I was just a little bit like overwhelmed and um, really took that to heart. And so kind of uh, went another direction. And I um, had gotten an internship at Slow Food USA. Um, It kind of like combined my interest of like food and and politics I was working on. They were sort of taking a turn towards more um, actual like advocacy. And so I was working on a campaign about the farm bill and the school lunch um, kind of portion of that. Um, so I worked in food nonprofits for a few years and it just wasn't quite satisfying. It still didn't have the like writing component um, that I wanted and had always just continued to like just be interested in like reading about and, and learning about food and buying cookbooks and cooking for people all the time. I ran a supper club for like a couple years or just like cook for big groups in my apartment. Um, and I, I had this moment after my second job um where I just I realized that like kind of development and programs and nonprofits just was not what I wanted to do and my current job was like comfortable enough where I had the space to sort of figure out what it is I did want I remember I went on um a vacation and I had bought um I had bought a book while I was there it was one of the few um souvenirs and I was it was Claudia Rodin's The Book of Jewish Food Uh, And I was like flipping through it on the plane on the way back. And I was just kind of like, you know what? Like, I want to do this. Somehow Claudia Rodin has turned it into a job. (laughs) And I just imagine she's like sitting in her like beautiful like London home. And she's just like writing cookbook after cookbook. Uh, And I was like, I want to just, I want to figure out a way to do this. Like, I want to write. I love cookbooks. I love cooking. Like, I think, I think that maybe I could do this. Um, which was like a very ambitious for someone who had like taken very safe uh, career choices until then. But um, I had like talked to just like a few people who were like kind of in the like food media world. Um, everyone had told me that like culinary school was a waste of money. And if you just got like restaurant experience, that would be enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had like made a plan to, um, working restaurants for a couple of years. And then um, after that would try to like figure out how, you know, I could get into to media and publishing. And just like by coincidence or, you know, chance, I saw that Food 52 was looking for an intern to work on their first cookbook. They had signed like a multi-book deal with uh, 10 Speed. And I don't know, I just, I think like, cause it was exactly what I wanted to do. My cover letter, I just like stood out. Um, I got the internship, which was great. Um, so I think I was like 27 at the time. It was like a little bit of a career change. Um, thankfully, it was like weekends only. And so, you know, since it was like an unpaid gig, I was able to work um, and also like get that really great experience. Uh, and that was, um, so that was Genius Recipes, Kristen McGlory's book. Um, and I was mostly just doing like recipe testing, research, um, kind of some like admin and um, project management stuff as the book went on. Uh, and it was great. I loved it. I was like, Oh my God, this is like exactly what I want to be doing. Um, when that ended, um, went to work in restaurants for a little while just because I didn't have anything lined up. Um, so I like worked as a line cook. Sorry, this is like very detailed. (laughs) No, it's great. It's great. (laughs) too Too many details. Um, it was like kind of a windy path, but like once I got started, I felt like things kind of fell into place. So I was in restaurants for like a little over a year. Uh, and then 
I guess at some point, yeah, maybe like a year and a half later, um, one of Mark Bittman's like longtime employees was going to grad school. And so he was looking for someone to come join his team. Um, and so he got my name from Food 52. Uh, and I remember like being, I was like working at the restaurant and I checked my phone after service one night and I had this email that was just like, from Mark Bittman, like subject, hello. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I thought it was like a weird, like promotional email from the New York times or something. Right. Um, but yeah, he said he had gotten my name. He was looking for staff. Like, was I interested? Um, and so, yeah, I applied for that. I did like an edit test, wrote like a, I think like an outline for a cookbook chapter, went through a few rounds of that and got hired. Um, and so that was, not too many steps away from like deciding that I wanted to write cookbooks to like getting a job that was like pretty much full time and, and writing, um, you know, working on his books. And I knew kind of from the outset, I think because I had started researching and also just like loved cookbooks and was really familiar with them that like, I had started to see a lot of names pop up, like in multiple books and especially working on genius recipes since that is like a, collection of like other people's recipes like you look through a lot of books and you look at the credits and you know I would start to see like Melissa Clark's name appearing in places that I had never seen or like even you know like Peter Meehan co-authored a few books and I was like oh like this is a job like I could <laughs> find a way to like pay my bills writing other people's books um and that was really appealing to me at the time because also it's like you know you get to work with someone who's really knowledgeable um get to do the thing that you love and then I get to learn and like make a great product. So that was always kind of a goal. Um, and I've been trying to get into restaurant, uh, co-authoring for quite a while. I have yet to like, you know, make that work. But, um, in the meantime, I was able to also write two of my own small cookbooks. So, um, and, and that kind of came about because, uh, you know, I had been like working kind of like in publishing with Food 52 with Mark Bittman um, and was just like really like hustling and like emailing any editor, agent, um, whoever who would respond to me to like meet with me, you know, let them know what I was looking for. And if anything, um, you know, if they needed like someone kind of behind the scenes, whether it was like yeah. ghostwriting, co-authoring, recipe editing, um, you know, it, at that point I knew cause I, I didn't have like a following of my own that that was probably more the work that was going to come my way than like, you know, writing my own big cookbooks. Um, I think, you know, within the last however many years it's become fairly clear that like, you know, you need to have quite a following of your own to, for a publishing company to like take a risk on you. Right. I mean, do you want to have a following of your own? <laughs> do, I mean, I think you don't, right? But do you, I don't. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, this is something that I've I've really like. I, I I think that I've just come to accept it. Like I I have such a like fraught relationship with that. Like part of me would love to you know be a public figure and um you know I think fame is always fame is like perhaps a strong word but at least like being well known in a smaller professional community um but I just I, I there's also something really unappealing about it to me and I just like I don't have the desire to like do what it takes to build that and I feel like right. if 
it's kind of like, you know, for a while, everyone was like, oh, like, you should have a blog. Like, that's, you know, like, the secret to success now. And I was like, I know, but, like, it's a lot of work that I, yeah, it's just, like, not quite what I want to be doing. And if I am doing it just because I have to and I resent it, it's like, kind of, you know, what's the point? It's not going to be engaging. It's not going to be original. Like, it, yeah, I don't know. And and I am at this, like, kind of crossroads now where it's like, I don't want the Instagram following. And so, like, do I need to rethink? what I want to do because right um it has become again in the last like however many years like a, a big part of being a writer and being in publishing and um I, I don't know I think there's maybe like a ceiling for people who don't have that kind of following and maybe I've reached it um and but I don't know. I also just like have such a fraught relationship with social media. I've been taking right. a break from Instagram and Twitter for like the last maybe two months or something. Uh, and it's been pretty great. I don't know yeah. if I want to go back. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, that's, I, yeah, I, I, I can understand this completely because even though I like enjoy social media and like always have, and, and you know, since I was like, a preteen have been on live journal and just on the internet and have been like, I love, Mm -hmm. I love, I love posting. I love posting. And so then like, I mean, I think because for me, like, I just like, I don't know. It's, it's, I have a lot of like social anxiety about like actual human interaction. So for Mm -hmm. me, like it's always been very nice to have the medium of the internet. Like, and and that's always been the way I've Mm -hmm. been able to express myself kind of more honestly as a person. Mm-hmm. but now that like my like newsletter has been quote unquote successful and like I have more followers on Instagram and Twitter it's like so annoying and so toxic for my mental yeah. health yes. um and I've had to because you know before I was like pretty much in control of of stuff you know like I didn't have like tons of random people like in my mm-hmm. dms or mm-hmm. t- or tweeting at me and so I just didn't have a fraught relationship with it, but now I've had to like really control who can respond to me and that sort of thing because yeah, it's just so taxing on, on, and yeah. And like having to try to have boundaries and like, for me, I feel like, I don't know, is it rude if like someone DMs me asking like someone I've never talked to before. And I post like an Instagram story of a necklace <laughs> that I'm wearing <laughs> and they're like, where did you get that? Like, I just get a request for, like, yeah. where did you get that? And, like, I, and then I'm, like, is it rude if I just delete this because I don't want to interact with this person and I don't owe this person, like, the knowledge of where my necklace is from? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, so, and, like, I know so many people in, like, our world, in, like, the food world who have assistants who deal with that stuff now oh, because wow. it becomes too overwhelming and that sort of thing. And I'm, like... I don't think I'll ever get to that level like financially where I can pay someone to like do that. But at the same totally. time, it's like I could, now I completely understand like why, you know, someone has an assistant who filters through their emails, you know, because it's, yeah. people are really overwhelming. And so anyway, so that was like a long winded way of saying, I think I, 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 you know, I will say understand that like my issues with social like, media are not because I'm not like, so popular that. at it. But um, I just, yeah, it's, it's like this tool that started out as something personal and then became professional. And like, none of us really had like a a say or a choice in that. And I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm sabotaging my whole career by feeling this way, but like, I just, it's, you know, it's not like 
Outlook or like Slack even that I could, you know, like (laughs) a work tool that I can turn off at the end of the day. And I, um, especially the thing like about, you know, that that it's like designed to like get you kind of like riled up. I feel like the algorithm, especially on Twitter recently had like really like perfected itself that it just like, it was just taking over my life and I don't know. I, um, yeah, I just, I don't want to feel like I have to do it. Um, and that, that feels like important to me enough that I might need to like, you know, reconsider some, some career choices based on that. But I don't know. It just feels like a necessary boundary at this point. Right. No. And, and it, it, it is, and it's totally necessary. And, and it's interesting to watch people who've tried to kind of like balance that. Like I know Corsha Wilson, like, <laughs> doesn't really go on in, on social media unless like she has something to say and like I respect that so much and I wish that totally. I could have that boundary for myself and I probably should try to cultivate it um but it is really interesting to think about how these these platforms can affect one's career when one works in media and and yeah. what a real effect it has like more than one's talent frankly on on what they're able to do um Totally, totally. And it's, uh, yeah, it's bad. But yeah, um, your, yeah. your, latest, your latest cookbook, Pantry to Plate, which ended up being like way more timely than I'm sure you expected. Um, you know, yes. How did that come about? Like, was that your idea? Was that the publisher's idea? Like, yeah. what was the market? What were the forces that made this book come, come to fruition? Um, so both of my books, um, both published by Chronicle, um, were kind of a continuation of, of like sort of what I had talked about earlier, where I, again, because like I am not a public figure, um, kind of coming to writing like a little bit more of like a different way. And so, um, you know, because I had had experience like in with like Mark Bittman and some other projects I had worked on, kind of being like a jack of all trades sort of it was like you know here's the idea go with it like make something good and so that was sort of my skill and so um chronicle um for some of these smaller books I think it's more like identifying a need in the market you know something that um is timely and will sell well and a lot of the ideas come from like editorial meetings and then it's a matter of finding a writer and so um the first one worked out perfectly because I had been like hosting Friendsgiving, you know, since I like went away to college at 18. So I had a lot to say on that one. And then this one kind of similar, they were like, we want to write a pantry book. Um, The idea, you know, the thing that will make this one stand out from all of the many, many other pantry books is that um, the ingredient list is going to be really small and tight. And so it'll really be like a book um, that stands alone. Uh, and then after some back and forth, you know, about like what my ideas were and, and how I would make that work, um, then we yeah got to writing. So they came to me with the idea, both of them, but it was always like a, a pretty like just the prompt, you know, first one was like Friendsgiving, go. This was like pantry book, only 50 ingredients, go. Um, mm-hmm. So I, you know, I like that it was that collaboration and I do feel like I've been really lucky, um, both that, you know, I was able to like have the connections and they thought of me for these books. And also like, I don't know, sometimes the market's really saturated. There's a lot of books. Sometimes it's hard to like identify, uh, what is different and what will sell without, you know, I think it's like at publishing companies, it's their job to identify those things. So it was nice. They were like, all right, pantry book, 
We know we're going to sign it. We know these sell well, like take the idea and run with it. Right, right. And so, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, how did you kind of approach doing this? Is, is it reflective of how you cook or is was it kind of a, a more foreign sort of approach? I think it was a little bit of a combination. Like I, I started because I knew, you know, it was like a limited number of recipes um, and only 50 ingredients. So I made this like giant spreadsheet of like both the pantry ingredients that I like to use. And also, um, you know, because like everyone's pantry looks different, but doing some research for like a lot of the general, like servicey kind of stuff out there, like all the pantry ingredients you need, you know, stuff that, that gets mentioned over and over. Um, it's definitely like a very, you know, like entry-level cookbook um and so I wanted it to be ingredients that like hopefully a wide swath of people will like to use and cook with um so anyway like you know making a spreadsheet with that and trying to figure out which ingredients will go the furthest and and in that process like having to cut some stuff that like I use all the time and depend very heavily on but like weren't as um weren't like wouldn't be able to use be used in as wide um an amount of recipes so like for instance like I love vinegar I cook with vinegar all the time but like trying to get a variety of like flavor profiles and dishes and um ways of cooking it seemed like citrus was going to be more um versatile so you know the acid in the book is citrus not vinegar that kind of thing um I think like once I I landed on the list and and like only made a few tweaks in the writing process, but once I got to that part, I I think it is how I cook. Like when, once I was able to start working like mostly full-time writing cookbooks, I found that I like stopped using recipes really to cook. Like when I was looking at them all day, it was kind of the last thing I wanted to do. And so uh, pretty much like where I've netted out now and how I'm still cooking is just like, looking at what I've got and figuring out something from that. Um, so then it was kind of, it was like a great way to write because I would just reference this list of 50 ingredients. And I was like, okay, like, you know, I want to make a chickpea soup or something like here's what I'm working with, like what sounds interesting. Um, so that was actually like kind of a fun process. And and again, mostly how I cook in my day-to-day life. Right, right, right. And so what do you think makes a cookbook stand out in a very very crowded market and also I wanted to ask you like what for you what are have been the formative cookbooks because you've talked about cookbooks Mm. but I don't think you've named Uh, what like what was super important to you and I think I I would love to know sure um definitely how to cook everything vegetarian by Mark Bittman um that one I don't think I got I think I had been a vegetarian and, and cooking for maybe like three or four years at that point um but I just, it's so helpful in that it's like so flexible. And I think it really does a good job of like teaching you how to be nimble in the kitchen um, while also just having so many ideas. You know, it's just like, it's a really great book to go to and you're like, all right, like, uh, you know, I bought this grain at the store and I don't know what to do with it. Like, what are some ideas? Or like, I have this, you know, these greens from the farmer's market that are about to go bad. Like, what can I do with them? Um, and so that's probably like the book that I've used the most. Um, I, it's funny. Um, I've always loved cookbooks as like items to collect. And I think that maybe, um, 
recently it's become more about like the collecting than the using um especially as I like am looking at cookbooks and recipes all day like I I cook less with them um I'm trying to think if there's any in the last couple years that I've really like enjoyed or read um I also just like reading them cover to cover like I think the storytelling and like um the philosophy and um just like the way that a person packages their cooking life is like very fascinating to me and so like I love there's a lot of like great restaurant cookbooks that I've loved to read but like have never um cooked from you know like I think I remember getting I think it was the night and market cookbook like I just I really loved reading that I felt like I learned a lot it was like a great book to spend time with I haven't cooked from it um or like the um my name is ice cream by diana cree i just i like loved that book she made ice cream like seem so technical but also appealing um but then i like worked on an ice cream book for a little while and i never wanted to make ice cream again so again it just like sits there as like a book that i enjoy and love to reference sometimes um you're also asking me at a funny time because all of my cookbooks are in boxes right now. So it's not like I can look at them and be like, oh, yeah, that one. Um, it kind of varies. Like, who do I? Hmm. I know. Unfortunately, like how to cook everything vegetarian really stands out as like the one formative one that like really changed how I cook. Um I don't know I've like picked up so much from books. I'm sorry. I'm like blanking on any other ones. I'm sure there's more. Um, we worked together with Layla Schlack to try to create kind of an equitable food writing conference with the Food Writers Workshop, which I think was a lot of your idea because out of a reaction. <laughs> I think it was mostly you. Um, but right now it's like kind of, I know you're sort of like um, working tangentially to food media now, but you know, do you think mm -hmm, there's mm -hmm. kind of hope for food media to become more equitable, more kind of open? I mean, we talked about how social media platforms and audiences are probably far too important in terms of one's success in this industry. Um, so like, what yeah. do you have hope for food media? Like, what do you want to see change? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like you're catching me at kind of a like um, uh, pessimistic time, but yeah. I mean, I guess like the flip side, right, to social media is that like people who are good at it and who are willing to put in like the time and effort, like, you know, it's a way to like create a career outside of the traditional pathways, you know, like, like for me, it's like I was able to get to where I am. I mean, maybe I could have taken a different route, but all because, you know, I was able to like do an unpaid internship at like a New York media company. And, you know, it's like, I, I do want to be open or like open to the fact that like, that is a path for some people. It's not one that I, I think will work for me, but uh, I don't know. It's, I, I feel it's like how much change can really happen if it's like these giant companies that hold so much power, you know, it's like, uh, Condé Nast and perhaps the New York Times are maybe like listening to some of the feedback they've been getting but it just feels like we put so much emphasis on these big institutions and give them so much power and like I guess like one hopeful point is maybe like crowdfunding and I think that there have been like specifically with like my interests and, and more where I work like cookbooks 
you know, people who have tried to shop around a cookbook, um, you know, editors don't bite for whatever reason. And so they just decide to crowdfund it. And I think, um, you know, the, the, the problem with that is that it is just like a lot more like time and effort, um, on the writer's part. But I think, you know, if someone believes that they have a good idea and, you know, and hundreds of other people do too, that, that maybe, um, some more, you know, kind of interesting and different books can be put out, you know, kind of like what we were talking about before, like, even with my book, like, there are a million pantry books and, and big companies kind of just often keep doing what works. And, mm-hmm. um, but I think they do like pay attention to crowdfunding as well. Like I, I feel I can think of one book off the top of my head, there's probably been more the the Eat Off Beat cookbook. They're uh, like a catering company in New York that uh, employed mm-hmm. uh, refugees. Uh, it was like an, a work program through the, uh, is it IRC? I can't remember the organization. Anyway, they had a super successful crowdfunding campaign, um, so much so that it like, you know, got the attention of publishers um, and they were able to finish the book. You know, at this point, it's like, I'm not sure you know maybe people don't even need it's like I guess maybe it's like a a mindset shift too of not needing the stamp of approval of like a publishing company either you know it's like you you write your book and and hopefully if you can get the funding to support your time to get it out and people will will find it and um it's perhaps not the most satisfying answer but I, Mm -hmm. I feel like it's like one bright spot in a an industry I'm otherwise feeling like I don't know. I'm I'm kind of like <laughs> holding my breath and waiting to see what happens. Yeah. No, it's true. And I, I do think that it's funny because when you ask people what are they optimistic about in food media, the answer usually is something like self-publishing. Um, and that yeah. is a big shift, I think. And I think it's a very interesting shift. And um, I mean, it's also kind of a problematic shift. I mean, as a person who has a newsletter totally. that I self-publish, like people... Mm-hmm. There are people and there's been like this backlash. I think it's over now to like the idea of newsletters and like not having an editor, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, well, I, this is what I do for a living and have done for a living, but like I stopped being able to make a sufficient living at in doing it in the, um, you know, traditional manner. And so what I, totally. was I supposed to just like, what was I supposed to do? <laughs> especially in a pandemic right. where it's like, especially if like your backup plan is usually to just work uh, in food and like cook people food and right. then you're in a pandemic exactly. and it's like this isn't the time to do that you know then it's like right um this is kind of a way of getting through that but yeah I, I hope that the respect continues for for self-publishing um but I also think it's very I, telling yeah. the state of corporate food media that people have been like we have to take this into our own hands because <laughs> there's no one right. is doing this properly um which is right yeah yeah and I I know. I, I, yeah, like think about that. And like, you know, as someone who is kind of like <sighs> invested in traditional publishing and uh, I don't know though, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> a tough time. I think like, let's check in in like a year and, and see if yeah. any of the stages <laughs> of like stuff that have been happening. I, I feel like that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. Yes, yes. And you know, for you, is cooking a political act? Um, 
I think I, I, you know, I, I, I feel like this is an answer that like quite a lot of other people have given, but when I really do think about it, I feel like perhaps not me at home cooking. I don't think of it as a political act, but I do think like getting ingredients is, and I, my own like personal philosophy has like been kind of all over the place on this. I feel like I started off, um, you know, working at Slow Food in a little bit um, as they were trying to like shift their mindset too, as mm-hmm. to like how political exactly is cooking and eating. And then, you know, periods where as a, you know, freelance writer, it's like my budget was so low. I just felt like I didn't really have the ability to like really think through like where my ingredients are from but and and I think it's like one thing that I really appreciate that you like speak so much about but I I do think that we have to put a lot of thought into like where our food comes from and how we get it and um to the best of all of our abilities in our situation like try to make choices that feel good um and it you know it like feels really overwhelming I I feel like there's so many different things to take into account and it can be hard, but I think when you get on autopilot and I don't know, just like mindlessly buy things from the grocery store, I, I feel like it's the chain of effects is like so much longer than any of us ever really think about. Um, and yeah. that is something that I definitely try, I'm trying, you know, to be much more mindful of. Yeah, no, and, and I think that's so, that's interesting. And I, I'm excited to see how that manifests for you now that you're in LA as, as opposed to being in New York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, everyone is like the farmer's markets are so great I'm I'm excited to like get back into that um that lifestyle so awesome. yeah well thank you so and much obviously there's the more time. to it than that but... yeah yeah but <laughs> <laughs> awesome <laughs> Bye.